Impact, Income, and Influence. What makes leaders leaders? In today's podcast, we talked to Sean Spector, and Sean runs Exponential Leaders, which is a mastermind group for CEOs and high-level executives, and it delves deep into what creates leadership. He has more than 15 years of business consulting experience, and he shares a wealth of information in this podcast. Enjoy. Impact, income, and influence. It's the three things that are most important to entrepreneurs today, and that's what this podcast is all about. If you're a coach, consultant, author, blogger, YouTuber, creator, or entrepreneur who believes what they do can change the world, this podcast is dedicated to you. I'm Steve Warner, and welcome to Impact, Income, and Influence. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show for monetization on the internet. I am joined today by Sean. Sean is in LA, and he works specifically with founders and CEOs to magnify their impact. I am super excited to have him on the show. Sean, welcome. Thanks for having me, Steve. Dude, I am, I'm really excited. Um, Sean has a wealth of knowledge. He's been a business coach and consultant for more than 20 years. He has a toolbox that he's probably forgotten some of the tools that are buried at the bottom. <laughs> Definitely. I could, I could almost guarantee it at this point. So talk to me a little bit about like where this all started. Because when we met, you were like, yeah, I, I learned public speaking when I was 16 years old, which I think most people would be mortified when they're 16. So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, I, I'm so happy you said that because looking back, I'm like, really, what made me different? And I started off, we go back 15, 15 years old. I was a disc jockey and a master's of ceremonies for like weddings and sweet 16s and bar mitzvahs and butt mitzvahs and corporate events and stuff like that. And I was kind of thrust into, well, I don't want to say thrust into the spotlight. Let's be honest, from a very young age, I wanted the spotlight on me. So it was a natural progression to do that. And I started off as a disc jockey and the guy that I was working for is like, here's a microphone. And he handed me the microphone and he's, uh, I'm like, what do I do now? He's like, figure it out. You know, it was the same way my father learned how to ski. His friends slapped skis on him and they just pushed him down the hill. So it was the same thing for me. And it was totally, it was, it was comfortable for me. And I literally got up and I'm like, ladies and gentlemen, how's everyone feeling tonight? And everyone just started yelling. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing in the world. People actually want to listen to what I have to say. And it kind of just led into, at that point, I was, I was rated one of the top five live event entertainers in Canada uh, by the age of about 18. Had a production company after that, my own company. We later sold that. Um, I took the number three company to number two in one year. I, uh, I doubled their revenue. Uh, they hired me as their vice president of sales. And I just loved that industry. I loved entertainment. I loved uh, live events. I had a great time with it. Um, and it kind of just led into the rest of my career from there. Well, so you kind of, you touched on something that I thought was unique because I know a lot of people, I love speaking on stage. Mm-hmm. Most of the speech stage speakers that I know love speaking and they want to do nothing else. But you sold your company and then you went in to be VP of sales, which means you were pounding phones. You were 
out getting leads. You were selling the, their services to grow them to ultimately the number two spot. So talk a little bit about that because that's at 18, 19 years old to even have the vision to do that is pretty unique. Um, you know what it was, and, and thank you for that. In I grew up in Montreal, Canada, um, and it's a little different. The market there is different, especially with private events and, and, and private event production, because a lot of the entertainers and a lot of the MCs and even a lot of the executives are younger. They're all around 20 years old, whereas a lot of other markets in the United States, even across other places in Canada, you see disc jockeys, you see MCs, you see executives well into their 30s, their 40s, their lifers. Um, it was more of a part-time job for us. So me looking at that, I'm like, okay, I'm going to sell my company right now. And I wanted to get more into the corporate side of things. That was the big thing for me. Like I wanted to get out of entertainment. I found, or the limiting belief that I had was that the entertainment was the part-time while you're in school type of gig. It was the gig. And the next logical step was to get into the corporate side of thing. And that was sales for me, which I still got the same rush because I was still doing the presenting. I was still doing a package. I was still pitching the same way that I was. I was entertaining it from a different aspect and creating from a different aspect, but I was doing it in a certain time. Right. So talk to me about, I want to hear about the interchange that happened because I think that is, you can sell what I've seen in, in the entrepreneur space. You can sell, we'll take fitness because it's a real easy one to point to. And depending how you are dressed and what your inner beliefs are, you can sell it for a, you know, a $19 a month membership, a $97 a month membership, and a $1,000 a month membership. You're getting the same exact result. You're doing the same exact exercises, but your messaging is slightly tweaked and the way you present yourself is different. So you switched from being what most people would probably consider, you know, like, a disc jockey, right? You were running yeah. around like looking like that. And then you went on at a young age to put on a suit and tie and sell something that was how much more expensive and completely changed your persona. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I went from selling like small events, which were probably around 500 to $1,000, maybe $1,500 to now selling packages with lighting and audio visual and stuff like that, that could have been upwards of 20,000, 25,000, 30,000. You know, one of our biggest events was about $150,000 that we sold. I had done the, uh, the first ever um, UG Australia, the Canadian UG Australia press launch. Um, so we had a nice budget for that. But it was interesting because I was working for someone at the time who was already in his 60s. I was the son of a, a businessman who had a job in sales for a very long time, who believed that the way you dress is the way you show up, which is what the, the energy you're giving off and that's what you're gonna get in return. So I right away switched the mentality where I'm gonna put on a suit and tie, or I'm gonna put on at least a shirt and a sport jacket and be able to be in the room with people twice my age. And I think for me at 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, a lot of it was to be perceived as older or have greater expertise than what I actually had. In reality, looking back, none of that matters. 
what comes out of my mouth matters, but there was this limiting belief. There was this belief in the industry. There's this belief from my boss, from the people that were around me that you have to present yourself in a certain way to get a, certain, a specific result. You know, Ness, Steve, now you see me, you've known me for, for a little while now. What you see right now, if anyone sees us on YouTube, what you see right now, the baseball hat, the hoodie, I'll wear this into a boardroom but I'm gonna crush it every single time because I've recognized that it's not necessarily what I wear. It's what comes out of my mouth. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. let's talk about what happened after the events company. How did you get started in business coaching and what were some of the things that you did for people? Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I, uh, I, I moved from Montreal to Toronto um, around the time where I left the events industry and launched a public relations company. So I was dealing with media. I was still dealing in events, but very much on the corporate side, more fashion shows, uh, more product launches, stuff like that. Um, that company lasted probably about a year and a half or so. Um, I ended up shutting that down um, and uh, dabbled in a couple of different other businesses. I had a, a tech startup. I was the interim CEO for a startup in Toronto for a while. Um, uh, I had my own startup for a while, and I kind of was always into entrepreneurship, you know, and that was the cool thing about growing up in the entertainment industry because I really was an entrepreneur. Like, I was the one going out and getting my own gigs, um, and I think I learned that at a very young age because I saw what a boss did to my father and kind of had him by, you know, part of my French had him by the balls because I'm paying your paycheck. Um, and I didn't want that restraint and that, you know, the, the construct on me. So I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. Um, and it was probably, I don't remember, a few years back, I had, I had a pretty bad bankruptcy in one of my businesses. Um, and uh, we lost our condo. I had to move my wife and my two kids into a hotel. We were there for about six months. And I had to rebuild from scratch. And it was my wife actually that looked at me and she said, Sean, you have these skills. You know, you've already worked with or consulted with companies like McDonald's, like Air Canada, the, the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. Um, and I would do like small contracts here and there while I was building my other businesses. Uh, Ug Australia, Diesel Jeans, uh, you know, the list kind of goes on and on. She's like, why are you not coaching other people on how to start businesses? Like I was the king of launching companies. I had a $300,000 launch in one of my companies. Like that blew my mind and it was a natural progression. And I literally went online. I went on LinkedIn um, and uh, I ran one ad, which sent private messages to people saying, this is what I'm offering. This was a week before Christmas. Uh, I forget what year at this point. Um, and one week later I got my first client. And since then, for you know about four years, I was working solely with entrepreneurs who were ready to launch and grow their businesses as quickly as possible. You know, that's and that's what I was. And it's really because I recognized there was something missing in the industry. There was a lot of noise, especially on Facebook, on LinkedIn, the ads that you see. It's like learn how to build your Instagram following so you can make a million dollars, or here's how to use Facebook groups or whatever else. And what I recognize is those tactics and those strategies worked, but they work as phase two, you know? And Steve, you, and I, you, you know what I'm talking about. You know where I'm going with this because we've had this conversation. What was lacking in particular for entrepreneurs that helped me grow as quickly as possible was focusing on that secondary, but for the first part, and I call it the engine of your business, it's who's your target market 
what's the story you're telling them and what's the unique offer that you're making them. That's the engine of your business. Then yep. you could dump that into your Instagram or into your Facebook and grow your business. And that's what was missing. And that's why I saw the success as a coach. Well, I mean, the way you lay it out really well is like the engine and the vehicle, because you can have a sports car, you can have an awesome looking Ferrari mm -hmm. that is amazing. And what that is, is a really big Instagram following a really engaged Facebook audience. But if you don't have an engine, if you don't have a core that you're targeting and an offer that they really want, it doesn't yeah. matter how many people follow you can have, you can have 20 million followers on Instagram. And if you don't have anything that makes you money, it's worthless. You're working a day job, 100%. I mean, I, yeah. I know people like that. I know people back, I'm from Philly. I know people in Philly that have like the, you know, 60, 70, 80,000 followers and they work as a bartender. They're funny. They post cool stuff, but they make $0 because they don't know how to monetize. They don't know what to do. What's important is the first thing. Who are you targeting? What is the offer that you are giving them? And how are you pushing it into the marketplace? Like that's, but to, so to your point, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people who are getting started say, yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. I've heard that before. Give me the tactic. What's the tactic? And that's, uh, ta yeah, you, so you, you want, you, you, you want, well, you want the gold right now, right? Well, I do, but I want to, I want to first point out that there's no tactic. If you don't have an offer and you don't know who you're serving, no tactic is going to make you anything. That's, that's the key. Cause I've seen, I mean, I was in a mentorship program and you probably have been as well. I'd love to hear your stories about this. I was in a mentorship program that was $30,000 a year. 90% of the people there did not have an offer. So they found the program worthless. I would love to hear like your thoughts on that. Cause what do you say to an entrepreneur that is sitting there saying like, I just want to serve people. I just want to help people. It's, it's great. Everyone wants to help people, you know, but I tell them this, you can't save the entire world. What you need to do is figure out how your skill set can solve a problem for a specific type of person in the world. And I did this, I, I, I used to do this, uh, this sales training uh, for car salesmen. And the first thing that I would ask them is, all right, gentlemen, or ladies, if there were, if there were ladies there, what do we sell here? And everyone's like, we sell the dream and we sell amazing cars and we sell, you know, whatever it is, Ferraris or Toyotas or Hondas. And I said, wrong. What we sell are solutions. And the minute that you wrap your head around this, and I love that you call it offers, I call it offers also, but we are offering someone a solution to their problem. The bigger their problem, the better our solution, the more money we're going to make. So we're not selling a service. We're not selling a product. We're always selling a solution. It could be a car. It could be a coaching package. It could be an info product. It could be absolutely, it could be a house. It could be absolutely anything. And I used to tell these car salesmen, I'm like, you need to understand who's walking through your door. The mother that's walking through the door, toting her like newborn in her carrier, you're not going to go up to her, which is what they typically do, which is, ma'am, did you come in for a new car? Well, yes, I did. Oh my God, let me show you this car. And you show her the car that she needs that's going to solve her problem, but you present it, and this comes now down to messaging, the wrong way. Well, look at all the features and look at the engine and look at this and that. They don't care about that. Tell them a story. Well, ma'am, I see you have a kid. Do you have any other kids at home? You know what I do? I have three other kids. What car do you drive at home right now? You know, we're driving a Grand Cherokee. Ooh, so with this extra kid, you probably don't have the room, which is why you came in here right now, right? 
Do your kids do a lot of after school activities? Yes. Yeah, so now you're asking them questions to dive down into what their problem is. And now all you're doing is not changing what your service or product is. You're just making them an offer that's going to solve their problem. Now you're able to say, well, ma'am, let me show you the Grand Caravan today. The Grand Caravan is amazing because one, it's going to fit your entire family. You guys don't have to take two cars anymore. Two, your kid at soccer practice, you need to bring their friends. You have three extra seats in the back. You're going to be able to do that also. The safety rating is amazing because I know you have a family and that's something of concern to you. And you also don't have to worry about holding your kid and opening the door by yourself because it has this cool little button that automatically opens the door. You've now solved her problems for her. She's going to be more likely to buy it than you telling her about the engine. And it's the same thing when we're selling services. Understand what your customers or potential customers' problems are and make them an offer to solve those problems. That is, I mean, that is sales 100% in a nutshell. Ask questions, be more interested in the customer than what you are selling because I'll tell you one thing, like I, you probably had this experience as well. There have been people that I've said, you know what, this product service, whatever is not a good fit for you. And immediately they want to buy it because they're like, well, I trust you now. Well, why isn't it a good fit? What's going on? But it, you want people to trust you. And the way that you get people to trust you is to be honest and to be interested in what they want. Yes, absolutely. A thousand percent. And the only way to do that is to ask questions. You know, there's, there's an amazing, amazing book out. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's by Eric Reese um, uh, called uh, The Lean Startup Methodology. And he, he does a lot of work with Silicon Valley, the tech industry, but it's really finding your target market and asking them questions. Before you go build anything, before you start making offers, go ask them questions so you understand their problem. So you're building what your customers or potential customers want from the beginning in the tech industry, that works. And I've done a lot of consulting in the tech industry. It works so well because you're not wasting 200, 300, 400, $500,000 on building the tech. You're making it a, an MVP, which is a concierge service to solve the problem. The minute that you have a following with that, now you can go build the tech and know that, that it's going to work. Absolutely. Like minimal viable product MVP is the key to business success. And the the thing is that everybody wants to sell a special service. So get people on the phone, find out what they want and sell it to them instead of you talking about, oh, I do this and I do this and we work like this. No one cares. That's where their eyes glaze over and they decide not to buy from you. Yeah, so exactly. Sean, tell me a little bit about some of the challenges that you see because we talked about like you need to build an offer. You need to figure out who your customer is. When you work with a client, when you like really start designing that stuff for them, what are like the big challenges that you have to overcome repeatedly? Like I know when, when people come and work with me, it's, it's almost without a doubt, they always have the same set of things. So if you could just give a couple nuggets of gold to help people get moving, what would they be? So there's actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to split this into two, if you don't mind, Stephen. I'm going to talk about the entrepreneurs. Um, and then I'm also going to talk about the other group that I'm currently working with, which are more CEOs, founders, uh, more established business owners, stuff like that. But for entrepreneurs in particular, it is the first thing is really what your offer is. Like, what is my skill set? What am I putting out? How am I helping people? Because most people think that it's just good enough. And I, I don't know the clients that you work with, but mine are like, well, I just offer Reiki. I'm like, no, you don't just offer Reiki. There's more in there. Like what else can we add to this offer to make it irresistible to people? And that's one major issue always. Um, number two 
is a lot of people, and I've been, uh, I, I've, I've had this problem also. I, I don't know if you have as well. Um, we have a lot of trouble dialing down into a very specific, I call it a client avatar or an ideal customer or your target market or whatever it is, having trouble wrapping your head around, well, how can I only just serve these people? Because these people also can really use my help. And here's the thing, when you're especially at the beginning stages and launching your business, you don't have the bandwidth, you don't have the resources, you don't have the funds to go and market your services to so many different people. You need to pick a very specific problem for a very specific type of person, solve that really well, and then once you've done that over and over again, then go do it for another group. You know, I just had this conversation with a client and I said to her, okay, we're gonna design your program, okay? She does this amazing thing called Tiny Habits. Uh, she's a certified Tiny Habits practitioner. It's absolutely amazing. And she's like, well, you know, it works for mothers and it also works for the corporate world and all that. I'm like, here's what we're going to do. You're going to do it for mothers first, okay? Because that was who she wanted to go after. And it was actually single mothers and all that. And Tiny Habits to organize your life, uh, be stress-free, um, uh, decrease the anxiety, all of this stuff. And then once you get really good at that, we're going to take the exact same course and we're gonna change the title and we're gonna say tiny habits for high performing executives. Cause it's the exact same material, but now it's solving a different problem for a different market. And that's how you, you do it. You gotta duplicate it that way. So those are the two areas. And the, the third area for entrepreneurs is getting really good at telling your story. People are scared to be vulnerable and they think they have to only list all of their successes but it's actually in showing vulnerability and showing, so, and that's why I tell people that a, a, you know, a company of mine went bankrupt. You know, I'll tell you a story about how I blew through $500,000 once of, of, of investments. It's absolutely crazy, but anyway, that was three months flat. But I do that so that I'm relatable. Like I've been in your shoes. If I've been in your shoes and I've come out the other side, then I am the right person to be helping you. So those are the three areas for entrepreneurs. On the flip side, CEOs, founders, business leaders. And this is from my personal experience. We pay a lot of money to have our organization run. Okay? We pay our employees money. We sometimes pay advisors because you have to give them a stipend if you have a board of advisors. You have to pay consultants. At one point I was paying $14,000 a month on consultants alone and my company still went bankrupt. I was asking for feedback from employees and I wasn't getting unbiased feedback. I was getting lip service because they knew that I was signing their paycheck at the end of the week. My company still went bankrupt. I think the biggest thing for CEOs and business leaders, and for me in particular throughout my journey, is, is, is understanding that you don't have to do things by yourself. And that doesn't mean surrounding yourself with minions or yes people. Right. It's really about surrounding yourself with a group of people, a network of people. You know, Jim Rohn says you're the average of the five people you spend the most amount of time with. You know, one of our mentors, Nicholas Barely, talks about your network is your network. If you cannot turn to three to five people, I actually say 10 people, but if you can't turn to three to five people who may have been in your shoes before to get a question answered to a pressing matter that you have, then you're hanging out with the wrong people. And that's why you mentioned like a mentorship group, masterminds, you know, it's one of the things that I do now with exponential leaders because it's so important. It's more important than any strategy you could learn. It's more important than any mindset ritual you're going to do. Don't get me wrong. Those are foundational and they're important also, but who you surround yourself with is even more important, especially 
when you have a successful business already because you're not getting those unbiased answers to the questions that you have. Understand that. Right. I would, I would agree with that. I mean, people out there that are like, well, I just want the tactic. I just want to learn. I just want to go implement when you, you can go do that stuff, but you don't, when something goes wrong, when you have a challenge, when you have a bad day, when you have, when you're human and something doesn't click, you then have the group to go talk to. If you have five, 10, 15 people that are also running successful businesses, they're going to give you objective feedback. They're going to tell you what you're doing right. They're going to tell you what you're doing wrong. And they, they speak your language. Like you're no yeah. longer alone in the game. I think entrepreneurs, we, one of the biggest challenges is it's a lonely game. No one really understands us other than other entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, which yeah, is why, go ahead. Yeah, no, it, it, you're 100% right. It's, you know, they always say it's lonely at the top, right? It's lonely at the top because we isolate ourselves, because we don't think anyone understands us. Because the majority of people, whether it's a friend who's not an entrepreneur, a business owner, or a family member, they look down at us because we believe that we could have it all. And in their minds, it's like, well, just go get a job, you know? Go get a job and have the security. And we want to create our own security. And, you know, I live by a, a quote, which is, the life you want and the legacy you want to leave is fueled by the business that you built. We literally could have everything we want through our business. But if you really want to exponentially grow, you want to become that leader and massively disrupt industries and blow up things that make super impact on communities, on employees, on your family, um, on your customers, then you need to surround yourself with the right group. And what's interesting about this is there's two things. One, success leaves clues. So why try and reinvent the wheel or figure it out on your own? Just ask someone else for advice. The second is what's cool about, and you, you could probably talk about this also, Steve, is when we get together in mentorship groups or mastermind groups, everyone is not from the same industry. It's not cookie cutter. Like I'm not just going to another coach or another business owner that has the exact same business to me and saying, how did you build this? I'm going to go to someone who's in manufacturing. I'm going to go to someone who has an agency and they're going to give me a different perspective that I might not have seen myself and an edge on my competition because I'm now not doing everything that my competitors are doing. I'm actually pulling from a different industry, adapting it to what I'm doing myself to make my engine go. That's, I a hundred percent agree. Like that's where creativity and like, you see all the different stuff that can work and it's, it's not cookie cutter. Like that's, what's great about entrepreneurship corporate. You have a very designed path yeah. goal, like whole formula in entrepreneurship. You can do whatever you want, which is great. And it's a challenge and it's fun. Like that's what, that's what separates so much of it. Like I want to go back and I want to talk about offer a little bit because yeah. I feel like that is, that's a discussion that I have. I've run workshops on it where people are like, well, I'm a, like exactly like you said, I practice Reiki or I'm a massage therapist or I'm a personal chef. Well, what do you do? I've, I've done this in the fitness space as well. I'm a, I'm a personal trainer. What an offer is, is take your core thing and then you got to find other stuff to put with it to separate you and allow you to up sell your price because then it's no longer personal training. It's no longer being a personal chef. It's no longer being the thing. It's, I come with this whole package. So how do yeah. you walk clients through that? I'd love to hear a little bit. I know that that's. Yeah. 
Go what ahead. were you gonna say? Yeah, it's well, I, I I love talking about offers because you like you hit the nail on the head. Everyone thinks that we're selling just a service or a product, and that means you're selling a commodity. If you're selling a commodity, you're competing in a market based on price and price alone. If you're focusing and competing in a market based on price alone, what ends up happening? You have to keep lowering your price and lowering your price and lowering your price to get more clients or get more customers. And the reality is, is you're never going to be the cheapest in the market. Second cheapest in the market does you absolutely no good. If you happen to get cheapest, you will be bankrupt, I promise you. So that's the first thing that everyone has to understand. So the reason we make offers is to make it irresistible to someone. It's also to boost the perceived value of what it is that we are going to be delivering to them. So if it's a service or it's a product, what else are we going to include to support our core service or a core product that is going to drive up the perceived value, show them that they're getting all of these things and make them want to work with us or make them want to purchase from us or whatever that is. And the way that I typically do this, and this is going to, uh, you're, you're going to recognize this right now. So I look at four things. So we have our core service or our core product. So let's say you're a coach. Okay. Uh, I'm a business coach and this is what I do. You're going to get one call with me per week. That's the core offer. How are we going to build support around that? And there's four areas that we have to look at. And it's usually video, audio, um, my mind just went out, video, video, audio, written, or miscellaneous. Those are our four areas. Okay. Same thing could be said about content, but I use those for offers also. So can I include any sort of video? Well, if you're doing video, if you're doing video Zoom calls with your clients, offer them recordings as a refresher. Offer them, um, you know, uh, offer them uh, maybe a small series on an interview you did with someone that could add some more value. There's your video, audio. You know, maybe it's access to uh, to a, a a podcast that isn't published to the public. You know, that you could add to this also. You know, written stuff. Well, are you offering them any sort of uh, written progress every once in a while? Are you giving them any sort of journals that are proprietary to you or PDF downloads or the resources included in your package? Miscellaneous stuff. Do they have access to one of your Facebook groups for networking, for accountability, for support? Do they have access to you through something like Voxer or text message or email? You start stacking these things on and what you're able to do is assign values to each one of them. So let's say for argument's sake, you're going to charge, I don't know, $4,000 for coaching. Okay. By the way, you probably should be charging more than that. But let's say you're charging $4,000. Your calls, your weekly calls for four months, you know, maybe there's a value of $3,600 to that. So you're like, oh, wait, I can't even charge $4,000. But now you add on the recordings and the recordings might be worth $1,000. And now you might add on access to me 24 seven through Voxer, which might be worth $2,500. And you start accessing my resources, which is another $3,000 of resources. And maybe my network of, you know, guest trainers inside of my private Facebook group that I've paid $50,000 for. Next thing you know, you turn around and you're like, wait a minute, I'm actually delivering $35,000 of value. And all I'm going to do is ask you for an investment of $4,000. Does that make sense to you? Now you're offering them something. Now you're giving them something valuable, not just your time. You're not trading your time for money. What you're doing is you're trading value for money. And that's really what the offer is all about. That I would agree. Like you're, you're providing way more value, which then you no longer have to compete on price and you can sell 
you ha you have to sell fewer things, but you're able to service the client in a much, much better way. Exactly. So let's shift. I want to talk a little bit more about exponential leaders. Tell us like, what is your goal with this? Because I know you have some pretty big ideas with it. Yeah. So, uh, ex so exponential leaders kind of came about for me, like I said, um, when I had my, my last company, um, I was paying a lot of money for, um, biased answers to my questions. Now, my advisors, my consultants, uh, my employees, all of that stuff. And I didn't have a network of people um, at the time. You know, I was the typical problem-solving CEO, which is I could do it better than everyone. I could do it more efficiently than everyone. I could do it faster than anyone. I don't need anyone's advice. I don't need to sur surround myself with anyone. No one understands me, so I'm going to do it by myself. Obviously, I failed. I Thank God I failed forward. Uh, and I failed fast and I was able to pick up pretty quickly, but I failed through that. So exponential leaders for me is really bringing together CEOs, founders, business leaders from all over the world and giving them a platform and a community to learn from each other, to mentor each other, um, and to really get answers to pressing questions that they have answered by people who have been there before. That's the basis of everything. It goes deeper than that because we have some amazing uh, experiences and services that, that we're doing and we break people out into what we call expods and they're little groups of 10. So it's not just a giant community. You have like your own little family. You know, I said before, surround yourself with five people or in this case, 10 people who have your back, who can answer your questions and you're masterminding on each other's problems. So you're learning as you go. The big goal here is to build and be a catalyst for 1 million exponential leaders and exponential leaders for us around the world is people who want to make a greater impact with their employees, with their customers and with their community. Um, and by supporting each other, helping each other solve problems, um, helping each other get through hard times, plateaus and see exponential growth in our companies allows us to be exponential leaders because we're now able to tackle bigger problems in the world. You know, problems like unemployment, you know, bigger companies, we have more uh, jobs we're creating, you know, stuff like the world economy, which, you know, has, especially because of everything that's going on, has gone to hell in a handbag, you know, well, we create together bigger, more solid, successful companies, we get to solve bigger problems for customers, bigger problems we solve, more money customers want to pay us, more money is being pumped into the economy worldwide as a whole. And the last one is to be a true exponential leader. Um, and probably the foundation of our mission is give back. Um, and that's, that's one thing, you know, and I talked about it a little bit before, but the life that we want, the legacy that we want to leave is fueled by the business that we create. Money doesn't rain down from the sky. We want to help all those people. And I think we talked about it and I'm like, everyone wants to go and they want to save the entire world. Well, we can't right. do that at the beginning. We have to help a certain type of person at the beginning so we can make money. The more money we could make, the more people we could go out and impact and affect through the businesses that we're building. And there are two things really for me, and one is homelessness, the other one is human trafficking. We partnered with uh, an organization called uh, Operation Underground Railroad, uh, absolutely amazing. They're trying to eradicate human trafficking, in particular child trafficking, uh, because uh, ironically enough, it doesn't happen just in third world countries. It's happening right here in the United States. Uh, so part of our proceeds are going there. And what our goal is, is to also get as many of our exponential leaders involved in whatever 
philanthropic endeavor they have, whatever's dear to their hearts, but through their businesses. And that's where it all starts. Let's build the greatest businesses possible. Let's see the greatest success so that we can live the life we want, leave the legacy we want, and really make the greatest impact on our employees, our customers, and community in the world as a whole. That is a pretty awesome vision. And I know like you're super passionate and you're really easy and fun to talk to. Thank you. I know that that this is like a big driving force in your life. And I'm really excited to see this. Like it's starting to grab root and it's starting to take off. Um, if people wanted to get involved, if they're interested in it, where can they find you? Like what's a good place to connect? Yeah, so LinkedIn is probably the best case scenario right now. Uh, just look me up, Sean Spector. Um, that's S-E-A-N-S-P-E-C-T-O-R. You could also look up the company Exponential Leaders. Uh, I am obviously attached to that on LinkedIn. Um, there's no E in Exponential. It's just a capital X, so Exponential Leaders. Uh, reach out to me on Facebook, um, Sean Spector. Instagram, the Sean Spector. Uh, I am not active on Twitter. You could also check out our website, www.exponentialleaders, X-P-O-N-E-N-T-I-A-L, leaders. Um, there is an application. And the one thing that I should mention is to hit these massive goals and this massive mission that we have to be a catalyst for 1 million exponential leaders around the world. We are curating the community. So there is an application process. We are looking for the best of the best. So check out the website. If you do want to apply, um, fill out the application. If we think you're a good fit, we'll jump on a call. We'll talk a little bit about it. There is a cool little initiation also. Um, and then we'll get you plugged into an XPod. Awesome. Um, all of those links will be down in the description. So you don't have to go back and listen to them again. They'll be in the description. Um, check Sean out. He is absolutely awesome. Um, I'm sure you will get benefit from it. We are going to wrap up this episode. It has been so much fun talking to Sean about how he's changing the world. Uh, until next time, take action, change lives and make money. We'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. Are you looking for a way to produce powerful content that creates quality leads and can scale your business from 3K to 10K and beyond? If so, head over to storiesthatscale.com and pick up your free templates today. These free templates will show you the five core stories that will help your business scale that you can tell across social media, email, and YouTube. Anywhere you need content, these templates will help you out, and they're free at storiesthatscale.com. Or if you know you want my help building out your content and monetization strategy, head over to steven.coffee and book my time today. Till next time, take action, change lives, and make money. I'll see you soon. Thank you.